start this session by asking you a very, very important question, a question that I believe can will affect every part of your life, your ministry, if you're in leadership in the church, the kind of church you're going to build, and how long it's going to last, how effective it will be, effective it will be. And the question simply is this, what voice is the loudest voice in your life? What voice is the loudest voice in your life? For some, it could be the circumstances. For others, it's the news, the bombardment of the same negative stuff, more commentary than, neg than news, actually. So-called experts giving commentary on a few things that they just keep repeating over and over and over again till our minds are filled with it. For others, it could be the beating of the sheep if they're in leadership. It could be, possibly, some influential leader whose voice is so loud in your life that you're doing everything they tell you to do. For me, what I want to say to you is that the most important voice in your life should be the voice of God. And the voice of God is heard and seen in and through the Bible, the Word of God, and Jesus' life, how he lived it. And then the followers of Jesus recorded in the Word of God how they lived what he lived. And they lived out what he taught. So ask yourself, at this point in your ministry or your life, what's the loudest voice in my life? Sometimes it's just even Google, even for Christian leaders, uh, social media, books, all sorts of other voices. But let's get back to where we say, God, I want your voice to be the loudest voice in my life. Yes, there have to be other voices, but there have to be voices with a proven track record. Godly people who, when they're sharing things with you, they're sharing out of the wealth of their experience that works. You could look over their shoulder and you say, wow, I see this works, and I see it's absolutely in line with the Word of God. It's not deviating all over the place all the time. So, when it comes to Christ's body, the church, the loudest voice for all of God's people should be the voice of God through the Word of God. In Psalm 86, verse 11, the psalmist writes this word. He says this, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. God has ways, and His ways are always in accordance with truth, and truth is the Word of God. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So teach me your way, that I may walk in your truth. Your ways will always coincide with truth, and the Holy Spirit will always guide us, lead us, into all truth. Now, I want us to read a few verses out of the so-called pastoral epistles today, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. These were two young men. Paul was writing as an aged and experienced apostle. He's writing to these two young men that he had appointed and brought onto his own team 
They were leaders of leaders. They were not pastors in the sense of pastoring a local church in some place, a group of 50, 100, 1,000 people. They were leaders of leaders who were imparting to leaders what leadership in the body of Christ should be doing and what it should be. And so uh, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, picking up in verse 14, if you'll turn in your Bibles to that. And Paul, Paul writes this, and remember this, that basically these three little letters encapsulate, they're like a little um, condensa- condensed version of the whole Bible. It's, you'll see it, if you read it with those, look with that expectation, you'll see that everything that's of major important, almost everything I can think of, somehow or the other is included in this word, these three little letters. So he says this in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 14, and we're going to pick up here on the 14th verse. Although I, Paul says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that... Now, what instructions? The things he's already said in 1 Timothy, the f- first uh, three chapters and chapter 4, 5, etc. Then what he writes to Timothy in the second letter, and then also what he's writing to Titus. You'll see that as we read through these scriptures, as you read them for yourself. I can't read all of it. we pick out bits and pieces here and there. But he says, I, I, although I, am, I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's Household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Now I want to stop there and just break that up for a moment. He says this, that you may know. Now when it talks about knowing, it's talking about experientially, not know about, but know. Experiencing. This works. This is how it should be. And I, Paul, am telling you, that I know this is what it is. I've got it by revelation. So if you want to know this, Paul really is saying that you need to go back to the Word of God, see what Paul's saying, ask the Spirit of God to help you to know it, for it to become part of your life. Like Adam knew his wife, and as a result of knowing his wife, not about his wife, but knowing his wife intimately, they had children. Something was birthed. And God wants you to know that way. And that needs the Holy Spirit to bring you revelation, to take the Word of God, to take what Paul's saying here, that is so important for every preacher, every pastor, every leader, and every Christian, that we may know. So will you give yourself some time to get these letters, sit before God, ask Him, by revelation, to impart in your life, transforming it and helping you to then share it and be part of what God's doing in the earth. He goes on a little later, and he, well, let me finish off this little, uh, that you may know. And then it says this, how people, I'm writing you these instructions so that you may know how people, now in the church, they're leaders, and followers. And the leadership group, by and large, is broken up into two areas, elders and deacons. 
So he's saying, and he covers us. 1 Timothy chapter 3, elders and deacons. So he's saying, this is our elders. This is what you should be and what you should be doing and able to do. And this is what deacons should be and, what, and be able to do. And this is what the people of God should be and be able to do. These things must be happening amongst God's people. So that you may know how God's people ought to conduct themselves. So he's saying now, I'm showing you what you should be and how you, sh how you should do it. What should be taking place in the life of your church? Now he's saying, you young men, you two young men, help the people, the leaders and the churches to live this out. And then he goes on, he says, God's household I want you just to remember this, that it's God's household. It's never going to be ours. When I led a church with a leadership team, it was never my church. It was his church. Just like I'm married to my wife, but it's his daughter. He has first and foremost claim. And I need, the day I try to take over Anne's life and control her, I'm usurping the place of God. And the day that any leader tries to do that in the body of Christ, any church that they're leading, that's what they do. They're usurping, taking over, taking control of, and taking to themselves what only God has the right to. It's God's household. Bear that in mind. And then he goes on to say, which is the church of the living God. It's Christ's body, the living, resurrected Christ, seated in heaven, with the Holy Spirit working in and through the living church of the living God, the body of Christ. And then it goes on and it gives us powerful statements here that the church should be and is to be the pillar and the foundation of, of the truth. Uh, if you build a house and the pillars and the foundation have got rot in them or weakness, if you deviate from the architect's uh, instructions, the con all, all that uh, th that should th this should be in the foundations. If you deviate from that in any way, it's going to weaken the whole structure. So the, the 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 church is to be the pillar and foundation of truth. That's again coming back to what is truth. Well, Pilate asked Jesus, "What is truth?" He was looking at truth. Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So everything that happens in the life of that church that you're leading should be demonstrated in and through the life of Jesus who reflected the glory of God. He was the absolute, he was God incarnate. But it needs to also, just in case we a little dubious about that, it's, it's got to be in line with the Word of God. This Word of God, Jesus himself said it in John 17. He told the Father, your Word is truth. And when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And truth has to be the foundation of our own lives and the lives of the people that we are leading. And every part of what we're building has to line up with, be in accordance with the Word of God. You can't just let some other person who says, well, when I tried this and it's not in the Bible, they won't tell you that. But when you look and you say, that's not in the Bible, but you must do this. We're deviating from the Bible. 
And it's going to cause weaknesses in the church. And that's why churches just crumble all the time. Some churches, they just have like a big open front door and a big open back door. The people just come and go. They don't go out to plant churches. They go and hurt, messed up, because we deviate from the truth. So I'm, would you, I hope you're hearing me. Build according to the Word of God. That's what God's trying to say by His Spirit through Paul to these young men and now these letters to us. The pillar and foundation of truth. So let's move on a little and see what we can do. These three letters, by and large, give us so much important truth regarding both local and translocal ministry. We're looking at local church, but this is true for translocal. If I, were, I could say we're looking at translocal ministry, but it would be equally true for local church. So listen to, to what the, we, we, we can glean from this uh, in our short time together. First of all, bear this in mind, the task that Paul is giving these, these, three, these two young men in these three letters uh, and this is true for all biblical church leaders. Now, I don't want to be unkind and ungracious when I say this, but a lot of church leaders are not biblical church leaders anymore. The Bible isn't the foundation. The Bible isn't the, the real truth. The, God's Word isn't the, the loudest voice in their lives in what they're building. They're building according to all sorts of pragmatic things that might help uh, and make them look a bit better. And, um, and so we could go on. But the task like all biblical church leaders, it's challenging and yet it's exciting. There's challenge in building God's way. There's challenge in doing uh, uh, responding to God's call. Every part of God's call has challenge in it, but it's so much blessing and so exciting. I tell you, I'm sitting here, I'm 78 years old. I look back, I've served God for over 50 years. I'm telling you, it, it is so exciting. Yes, the challenges are in, tremendous, but the task it's just worth it. So I've got five little things here that, that encapsulate to some degree what, the, what this, uh, this task entails. First of all, and I'm hoping you'll make a note of these things and really go before God and think of your church and the, and the leadership that you're part of and see what's happening in this. False doctrine or false teaching must be dealt with and must be erased erased. You can't allow false doctrine, false teaching to be perpetuated. Even if you think for now it's not serious uh, or it's helpful, it'll never be helpful and it's always very serious if it's false doctrine. Wrong doctrine, wrong living. Right doctrine, right living. Coming back to that hopefully in time. So false doctrine, false teaching must be dealt with and erased. You could read 1 Timothy chapter 1, the first, verse 3 to 11. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. Chapter 4, verses 1 through to 7. Chapter 4, verses 1 through to 7. And chapter 6, verses 3 to 10. Chapter 6, verses 3 to 10. Now, I hate just rattling off these scriptures, but we don't have time, and you do in your church, we don't have time to be able to read all these scriptures and Paul tells us we're to devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture. So scriptural reading, when you're with the public, the people of God, it's important. Get that into your heart. And we'll come back to that hopefully in the second session. But he also repeats that again in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16 through to 26. 
2 Timothy 2, 16 to 26. And again, he tells Titus a similar thing in Titus chapter 1, verses 9 through to chapter 2, verse 1. Titus chapter 1, verses 9 to chapter 2, verse 1. So that's the first thing. The second thing is public worship must be safeguarded. Public worship must be safeguarded. You'll read that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through to 8. And it's interesting when he says this, I urge you then, first of all, I'm reading from 1 Timothy chapter 2, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And later on, he talks about worshipping. You see, worship, even your worship meeting, your worship service, has to, the people of God have to understand that worship is not just singing songs with music. In actual fact, we don't read of Jesus singing songs with music. Not once. There's an allusion to that somewhere. And they're saying that that, it's not necessarily singing songs, but if this was important, Jesus would have been singing songs every time that he worshipped the Father. Worship in, incorporates everything that takes place in your meeting. If it, it can't be worship, it shouldn't be in your meetings. So I wanted to say to you that even when you come into the meeting and you see one another, we should be worshipping God. You know, I thank God and I worship and praise and celebrate God for some of the friends I know. Because had I not met Jesus, I would not have met them. Uh, even me being able to talk to you now is a worship service for me because had I not met him, I would not be able to share with you. Do you get it? When we come to together in a, our church meeting, we should start, even as we, we enter in to the, to, to, we haven't even got our seats, we're beginning, we're already worshiping. Yes, we should worship all of our lives, but I'm talking about the meeting now. We worship God. We worship God with our prayers. We worship God with our singing. We worship God with music when there's no singing. We worship God when the ministry, the people, when we, the person's preaching. We worship God when people bring testimonies. Every part of our meeting needs to be worship. And so he's telling us public worship must be safeguarded, everything about it, because worship is serving God out of love, devotion, commitment, and in obedience, not just what we've relegated it to music, with some music, uh, with some singing. But part of this public worship must be safeguarded is not only what takes place in the meeting, but it's also that we don't give up meeting together and we need to meet regularly. Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says, let us not neglect meeting together. And especially so much more as the day of Christ's second coming approaches. So don't give in to physical, emotional appetites that keep you away from being with God's people. We've got to safeguard it. And he's telling these two young men, Make sure that the leaders understand this and that the people begin to understand it as they get taught it. This is part of what leadership should be teaching, safeguarding public worship. And that thirdly, under that same safeguarding public worship, the only way we're going to be safe in public worship is to have God-endorsed, God-appointed, God-anointed leadership that have been endorsed 
by apostolic prophetic men. Not just self-appointed guys who just start their own little church somewhere and get a group of people and think that they that this is public worship being safeguarded. It's only safeguarded when we are under the, the authority and the, the, the uh, protection of those that God has appointed as leaders in the church. We need leadership. Hebrews 13.7 and Hebrews 13.17 tell us we're to obey, obey our leaders, we're to respect our leaders, we're to make life easy for them. Third thing quickly, and I see my time's running out, the third little part of the task that God's given us, remember I said the first one was false doctrine or false teaching must be dealt with and erased. Second is that public worship must be safeguarded. The third is that mature leadership must be recognized, encouraged and developed. Mature leadership needs to be recognized, encouraged and developed. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through to 16 and then in chapter 5, verses 17 to 25, in that same letter, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 5, he's talking about encouraging leaders to come through. He gives us a picture of what that entails. And we'll come back to that in uh, a little while, in the next session, hopefully. But he also says that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, chapter 2, verses 1 through to 7, and then verses 24 to 26. And then he tells us again, uh, he tells Titus, Make sure that the leaders are catching this, he says in, 1 Timothy, in Titus 1, 5 to 11. This is what to look for in leadership. Now, those things that he brings to us in 1 Timothy 3 and 1 Timothy 5 and 1 Timothy, uh, and, 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 uh, 2 Timothy 2 and uh, in Titus chapter 1 are all pictures of mature, mature Christian life. And, and so he's saying that all of us should become that, but leaders need to evidence it and look for it, where it's lacking, do something about bringing it about. It's got to be developed by the, with the help of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. So we've got to present to people what God's Word says about maturity and developing leadership. Number four, quickly, is that the church, fourth, fourth part of the task is that the church must be built biblically. Its structure needs to be biblical. The whole sense of the three letters that Paul writes to these two men is all about the, uh, the, the purpose of them is really the church must be biblical, its structure must be biblical. If, if it's not in the Bible, don't impose it. But if it's in the Bible, demand it under God. And then fifthly, the fifth part of that task is that the people of God must be envisioned, enlightened, and keep the main things, the main thing, and kept free. Can I repeat that? The people of God must be envisioned, enlightened, and that comes by the Spirit of God through the preaching of the Word of God. And they need to keep the main things, the main thing. Now, the main thing is Jesus, but there are other main things related to Jesus. And I've just noted four things, and these things keep us free. Because that's what the, the people of God must be, envisioned, enlightened, and keep the main things, the main thing, and kept free. So the main thing is Jesus. And that's part of what we as people of God envision people with Jesus. He, now I've, I put it this way, the supremacy of Christ, which is mentioned, Jesus is mentioned at least 32 times in these three little short little letters. 32 times. He's supreme. Keep Christ, the supremacy. 
in the supreme place. That's all about him. And then secondly, the centrality of the kingdom. That's one of the main things. Jesus is the main thing. Around Jesus is the centrality of the kingdom because Jesus is the king of the kingdom and everything we preach must present Christ as king and his kingdom, his government, his rule, his authority, his reign in our, over our lives and that we're responding to him, always committed to him, sold out to him, going all out for him, giving him everything we've got and giving it all we've got for the king and the kingdom. And then thirdly, as a main thing, keeping the main things the main thing, that the, the great commission of Christ. We are an outward-looking people. Christ told us that the world is our parish, not just the town we live in, the city we live in, or the suburb. The church that Christ is building is for the nations. That was told us to Abraham in Genesis 12, I think it is. All nations will be blessed through you and your offspring. And the offspring of Abraham is Christ, and we are part of that offspring through Christ, the book of Galatians tells us. So the Great Commission, making disciples, going to every nation, planting churches everywhere we possibly can, keep the main things the main things, not trying to gather big numbers in your church. Big number churches have got all sorts of problems and they don't always make too much of an impact, really, when it looks to change society. It looks good, and I'm not against it. I've always thought big. But God wants us to plant churches wherever we can. And then the last little part, and I'll finish with this, the continuity of everything that's done here. Part of the task of keeping the people envisioned, enlightened, and keeping the main thing, the main thing and kept free is that they need to understand that the continuity of everything done here on earth for Christ will carry into eternity. Eternal ramifications. So don't get caught up with waste of time, things that are going to fizzle out in this life. But for the eternal things, set your heart on things above. May God help you. We're going to look at being and doing what we should be doing that Paul writes to these people and how we can recognize things and change the whole flavor and life of our churches. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, your people are your people. They'll never be ours. We can be part of them and us together, but we belong to you. And we want you to be glorified, your son Jesus to be the one whom we serve with all our hearts and by the Spirit of God that he will always help us to keep Christ in that place as Christ keeps you, our Father, in your place. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings on you. Amen.